So the Amistad, uh, it's a historical event that's generally covered in uh, younger educational uh, textbooks, uh, elementary, junior high, and it's also been uh, transformed to a uh, Hollywood movie, actually, by Steven Spielberg. Uh, however, as one, uh, I guess, somewhat uh, cynically comes to expect from such things, uh, it omits many of the key details. Uh, the details, of course, that we're going to uh, discuss here t today. So the the series of events occurs in 1839, so we're very, if one can use the word, comfortably nestled in that time period in the antebellum era uh, with the growing tensions uh, between the North and South. Uh, the Democratic Party by this point was wholly consumed uh, with uh, Calhounism and has long since dedicated itself uh, to the expansion and protection through the federal level for slavery. Uh, so not merely uh, maintenance of the slavery status quo in the slave states that originated in the founding, uh, which was uh, the original understanding of slavery, uh, but instead to essentially uh, pursue a slave empire. Now, in 1808, uh, the earliest possible time, actually, uh, uh, pursuant to the slave trade clause, uh, the uh, United States Congress uh, passed a law that was uh, largely written by and encouraged by Thomas Jefferson. And this law uh, was the uh, fourth in a series, uh, but it prohibited the slave trade at the federal level internationally. Uh, so this was a very big deal, especially since it was a fulfillment of promises and guarantees made uh, by many uh, delegates to the Constitutional Convention who went back to their respective states and when describing uh, the uh, usefulness, actually, of the slave trade clause. That was one of the details they always included. Hey, don't worry, because in January 1st, 1808, we'll have this that capability at the federal level. Uh, and the law was written and the votes were counted and as soon as January 1st uh, rolled around, the law was passed. However, just because the United States uh, was no longer participating in the slave trade uh, did not mean that other nations were not. Uh, Britain passed a similar ban on international slave trade. I believe it was very close. I think it was three weeks after uh, the United States did. So this resulted in uh, slave patrols, and uh, several other laws had actually uh, provided incentives for uh, their respective navies or even private vessels to uh, commandeer slave tra uh, trading vessels. Well, Spain and Portugal, especially this period, were still just uh, voracious slave trading uh, nations. Uh, one such uh, Spanish vessel, which is the Amistad, uh, went to uh, Africa, kidnapped some uh, what they hoped would be hoped would be slaves, uh, and then departed uh, with the intent of bringing them to Cuba. Uh, however, things did not go as planned, uh, and the uh, one slave, or rather captive to be slave, uh, was able to secure his freedom, free his. Uh, his fellow countrymen, and then take over the ship. And to their 
as a credit to their honor and their character, they only killed uh, two people in this process, which is pretty amazing. But <clears throat> this is where things get a little inter or a little little uh, more complicated. Uh, so the the uh, the captives only insisted that they be returned home, and so the uh, first mate who was still alive uh, spared, if you will, because he didn't offer active resistance. He would steer the ship towards Africa during the day, and then when the uh, captives uh, all went to sleep at night, he would steer it away. Uh, so they ended up at uh, open sea for quite some time and rather scattered. Uh, but ultimately, they were found by a United States slave patrol. And it was the slave patrol then that uh, commandeered the vessel. And then a lot of political uh, machinations were uh, immediately put to work. So Spain, or rather the Spanish Empire, uh, petitioned and lobbied very heavily, very insistently that the ship, its cargo, and the prospective uh, slaves be sent directly to Cuba to stand trial for murder, mutiny, and all these other other fun and glorious things that, of course, likely would have been sold into slavery after a, a kind of public uh, show was made of the trial. There was a great reluctance in America for that to occur, uh, at least in some realms. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the Democratic Party at this time, who was led by President uh, Van Buren, uh, they argued relentlessly uh, to favor Spain, to give Spain what they wanted, to try the captives for murder, uh, all number of things. And so ultimately, uh, the case, uh, due to political pressure, of course, the case is tried in an American court. Uh, but much to the uh, terrific advantage of these unfortunate captives, although one doesn't want to paint them as helpless. Obviously, they were very capable men who secured their own freedom and, by the theory of natural rights, thus deserve it. Uh, they were represented by John Quincy Adams, uh, and he was the son of the of John Adams, the founding father. And apparently, uh, greatness is at least somewhat transmissible uh, to our offspring. So Adams uh, brought forward a, as one might expect, a beautiful defense of these captives. And he does more than that. Uh, he knows that this uh, trial is very public, that it's very high profile. Uh, and he takes the opportunity to uh, really highlight, just based on the factual events, uh, kind of the, the dark influences at work. So uh, Quincy, in, in very small part, which I would encourage you very much to uh, read his arguments, they're available for free online, of course, uh, and they are included in part in the Volume 2 uh, reader, once I have that out there. But in part, uh, Mr. Adams argues, and I'm quote, This sympathy with Spanish slave traders is declared by the Secretary to have been first felt by Lieutenant Gredney. Now, Gredney was uh, the lieutenant on the vessel, uh, on the American vessel that found the Amistad. Mr. Adams continues, I hope this is not correctly represented. It is imputed to him and declared to have become in a manner national. 
The national sympathy with the slave traders of the Barracoons is officially declared to have been the prime motive of the action of government, and this fact is given as an answer to all the claims, demands, and reproaches of the Spanish minister. I cannot urge the same objection to this that was brought against the assertion in the libel, that it is said, the thing which is not, too unfortunately it was so, as he said. The sympathy of the executive government, and as it were of the nation, in favor of the slave traders, and against these poor, unfortunate, helpless, tongueless, defenseless Africans, was the cause and foundation and motive of all these proceedings, and has brought this case up for trial before your honors. Now, he's presenting this, of course, uh, to the Supreme Court. And what he's explaining here, uh, quite simply, is uh, what I just said. Uh, we're only, uh, he's, you know, he's telling the court, uh, we're here today uh, because it was forced upon us by the Democratic Party. Uh, of course, there was a, a level of civility maintained uh, in, in back in those days that uh, I haven't seen in my lifetime. And I would say that if you were born, uh, uh, I'd say prior to the FDR administration, you've, you've also never seen. Uh, so... 99% of people who might be listening to this podcast have never lived in a world with that level of uh, political kind of purity and civility. He won't even call out uh, the specific name of Democratic Party. Uh, he uses a much kinder phrase, uh, the sympathy of the executive government. Um, so in that, you know, we could maybe learn something. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, the the substance of his arguments don't change. We're here because pro-slavery Democrats, including the president and congressmen and senators, wanted this to be a spectacle in the hope of, of, of satisfying Spain. Um, which, What you will have uh, remembered, of course, from prior episodes is that the acquisition of Cuba from Spain in order to expand the slave power uh, had long been a pursuit uh, and goal of the Democratic Party uh, alongside the annexation of Texas uh, and the acclamation of other lands through the Mexican-American War. Now, uh, as one might expect, uh, ultimately, uh, Mr. Adams won. And he uh, he was personally thanked uh, by the Amistad captives, uh, which they referred to themselves as the Mendy people, which one assumes is their tribe. And uh, they... Uh, purchased for him a Bible, and within that Bible they included a thank you note. And in this note, uh, they write, uh, presumably with with some help, of course. The Mendy people give you thanks for all your kindness to them. They will never forget your defense of their rights before the great court at Washington. They feel that they owe to you, in a large measure, their deliverance from the Spaniards and from slavery or death. They will pray for you, Mr. Adams, as long as they live. May God bless and reward you. At the conclusion of the trial, uh, the Mendy captives were returned to their homeland with provisions at the cost of the U.S. government. Now, the tale has uh, many renditions over time. Uh, the one I just described to you is, is observed purely through uh, recognizable uh, and demonstrable historical fact. Uh, but there's, they all kind of skip, really, the most important details, which we just covered. Uh, first, that the slaves were actually captured by a Spanish trading vessel, uh, which then 
where it requires us to uh, kind of revisit the fact that other nations, uh, aside from simply trafficking in slaves at numbers vastly superior to ours, which we've also covered in prior episodes, uh, continued the slave trade for decades uh, after the uh, Western, well, we'll say specifically the United States and Britain, uh, concluded their any of their involvement in the international slave trade. Uh, this this particular case occurred uh, just a little over three decades after the United States uh, passed a federal law that made uh, the slave traffic illegal. It was all it's so it's also generally uh, omitted that the vessel that discovered and thus rescued the Amistad was an American vessel, and not just an American vessel. Uh, but one that was on official slave patrols. So uh, the laws that were that we passed, and Britain deserves great, great acclamation for this as well. Uh, they had a wonderful navy at this time, and their navy was instrumental, uh, especially in helping to combat the influence of Barbary pirates. Uh, but at this time, uh, not only were these uh, was the slave trade made illegal, but it was that was enforced through uh, anti-slave vessel patrols. And what's also ignored is the role of the Democratic Party in the events, uh, at least the political side of things. There would never have been a trial had there not been mounting political pressure by the Democratic Party, who, uh, and their president especially. And with the convenience also afforded to us of historical hindsight in examining future events, uh, you know, this occurred in 1839, uh, so this actually uh, kind of precipitated uh, the annexation of Texas, Mexican-American War, the Ostend Manifesto, uh, and, and many other instances of Democrat Party slave expansionism at this time. Uh, but knowing what we do know about later events, uh, the motivations for this particular occurrence also become quite clear, uh, although all, an, an examination of the arguments presented uh, really are pretty self-explanatory, uh, that the purpose was to satisfy Spain and to pursue uh, the friendly relations with the nation in the hopes of, again, expanding slave territory and thus the slave power complex constantly at work, constantly attempting to grow in the United States at this time uh, through the Democratic Party. So this this event really should uh, be a, a story of national pride. Uh, where the United States uh, demonstrated its high morality uh, despite the uh, overwhelming power, really, at this point already, the political dominance of the, the Democrat Party. And we did so uh, through our own court systems. Uh, so America played every key role that resulted in the uh, freedom of these captives uh, was, is owed to America. Uh, and, of course, all of the circumstances that led to them being captured do not. Uh, and although, once again, though, I would, I would say uh, that the captives clearly uh, deserve recognition for their manliness and their courage uh, in securing their own freedom, at least as best as they could, on this vessel. Uh, but, of course, being unable to navigate, uh, they were still largely uh, disadvantaged. Uh, So this is just another event uh, that demonstrates many of the ideas that we've been discussing previously. Um, 
It reflects the anti-slavery nature of the United States, even at this period, which is well into uh, the uh, the post-Calhounism, Democrat Party formation, uh, irrepressible conflict kind of growing uh, between the North and South, uh, the, the, the slave and no-slave factions. Uh, but despite that, uh, America did the right thing here, uh, and those details are generally uh, omitted from modern retellings. Uh, but regardless, uh, Amistad should resonate for every American as an opportunity for uh, our forefathers to step up and do the, uh, the right thing on behalf of enslaved Africans, and they did. <laughs>